It's Alana. And Jacqueline. And you're back for another episode of Black and Yellow. Hi, guys. It's officially fall. Hey. <laughs> fall in California means continuously still 80 degrees. Definitely. With a little bit of rain. The ever and a side so of meatballs. Slightly. We don't get leaves changing. <laughs> We don't get actual seasons. No, they just become bald. Right. The calendar just says now it's fall. Exactly. <laughs> Anyways, uh, um, there's some great movies out. Yeah. There... The Hate You Give mm-hmm. is out, and it's mm-hmm. fucking great. I didn't see that one. It's great. Really? It's. It, have you read the book? No. Hmm. I would say read the book first, but I mean, really? it's only going to be in theaters for so long, but Yes. Wow, okay. It's great. Star is Born is yes. also great. It's it's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> the Old yeah. Man and the Gun I recently saw. The wow, Robert seen... Redford Sissy Spacek movie. Oh, wow. Sissy Spacek. Yeah. That's a... That's a I, that, those are names, right? Those are, those are some old names. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a very movie-heavy time uh, in prep for this particular episode of the podcast. I reached out to Jackie, and I was like, Jack, we got to do... Coming-of-age films. We got to do coming-of-age films well, We had actually spoken about coming-of-age films like two months ago mm-hmm. in the summer. Right. And two months ago in the summer. Yeah, two months ago in the summer. Because <laughs> um, it's fall, but it looks like summer. Um... I was originally inspired, or when you had mentioned this topic, mostly because of the, it was a whole craze of Crazy Rich Asians, but also because of To All the Boys I Never Loved Before on yeah, Netflix. Searching. Searching, yeah. yeah. All these sort of like heavy Asian movies coming out, but also um, just each one of them, you know, it was like the first romantic comedy with an all Asian cast, and Searching was another all Asian sort of thriller type a movie, and then... To all the boys I loved, I've never loved, I've ever loved before. <laughs> Ooh, say that ten times. Uh, was a coming of age film that uh, blew my mind because growing up, I never ever saw a coming of age film where the protagonist was an Asian girl. Yeah, no, coming of age films have always felt like a genre that if you were not a small white, town. Stri- <laughs> <laughs> there is that component too. Sorry. I was gonna say if you aren't a white, straight, cisgender, uh, white man or white teenage girl or boy of a certain socioeconomic background or class status, coming of age films oh, were not for you. Yeah. You were ne- never included in the narrative. And what's what's so what's so saddening is. I, as you're watching a coming-of-age film, as you yourself are coming-of-age, mm-hmm, which for mm-hmm. me was, you know, uh, Ferris Bueller's, um, right. uh, 16 Candles. Clueless, Juno, 10 Things I Hate About You. I'm literally sitting here with yeah. a list, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, exactly, where then I start to wonder, you know, I'm I'm different. Yeah. I'm weird. Right. I can't relate to this. Why does the why does she always get the really cute guy? How come I can never get the really cute guy? My yeah. life sucks. Like it just goes on this like, we, like it just makes me it made made me feel, and I'm sure other people can relate to this, but even more uh, different. Yeah, than I already was definitely for me. The insidious thing about coming of age that genre is that. It's sold to, first things first, those sorts of films are like the capstone of teenagehood. Yeah. Like those films are sold to us as these are the experiences that you yourself will live through. Relate to them. These are supposed to incite an illicit or or these are supposed to elicit an emotional response because they're not action films, right? No, I mean, well, okay, I guess we could get into what exactly is a coming of age film. Okay, so and, yeah. Yeah, like the, the whole definition. So so the a, com, uh, a coming-of-age film, it's the growth of the protagonist from youth to young adulthood. And when I'm talking about growth, I'm really focusing on the psychological and moral growth mm-hmm. of the lead character. Exactly. There's not necessarily... Transition. Exactly. Right. There's not necessarily a ton going on. In, in, when I say a ton going on, like there's not a lot of uh, crazy plot points. Yeah, not too like, much action, like you said before. It's yeah, told through story and right. words. And... No, like jarring character twists. Um, it's pretty much focused on the internal monologue or the dialogue of of the character and who they're relating to over action, essentially yeah, from youth to adulthood. Right. There's yeah. also if. 
in a situation like Never Been Kissed, that film right. with Drew Barrymore. Yeah. It's a, that film is mostly told in flashbacks when she oh, was right, Josie right, 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 Grossy. Right. So there is a period feeling there. Mm-hmm. Now and then also feels slightly period yeah, and flashbacky. A lot of flashbacky, yep. You, you start with the older women and then you flashback to them as, uh, as children. And then coming of age films, they're teen films. Yeah. Mostly. Most not, of them. Not all teen films are coming of age films, but all coming of age films fall into the category. Fall into that category. Yes. Definitely. Um, I agree with what you're saying, though. When I was growing up, coming of age films were incredibly isolating. Be- right? Well, because I only ever saw myself as a black woman reflected in the stock characters or the filler mm. characters. Like you said, we were never the leads. Women of color were never the no. leads. No, and I mean, back then, I never even watched... I mean, even... Pff, let's talk about what's happening now. I never saw Asian characters in movies, period. If they wasn't from China or Taiwan or Hong Kong. Or if they weren't, like, foils. Yeah. Like, if you weren't, like... Like, because you did see them in Mean Girls. But yeah. they were smart. They were the mathletes. They were exactly. smart. Or they had to be a really specific... Well, I guess that's the whole point of that movie. But, yes. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was that. Or nerdy, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I'm sitting here, like, Clueless, Lady Bird, Juno, 10 Things I Hate About You, Now and Then, Stand By Me, Spectacular Now, Virgin Suicides, Never Been Kissed, Almost Famous, Dirty Dancing, American Pie, 16 Yay. Candles, 13, The Breakfast Club, Mean Girls, Dazed and Confused, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, Babysitter's <sighs> Club, Itumama Tambien. We can put that one out to the side. That one obviously has people of, of color. Fantastic! You like went on this entire rant in English, well, because and then snap, here comes you here, Espanol. That was because great. I like. I really want to drive home. There have been so many coming of age films. Very few of them contain people of color. Very, very few. Very, a lot of the times, because of where it takes place, suburbia. Yeah, and suburbia. There, yeah, and there's not a lot of you know uh, multicultural, multiracial, multiethnic. Uh, I don't know f- people flocking there, or you're you know you're not in LA. You're not you're not on the on the on the coasts. You know you're not in right. Miami. You're not in New York. You know you're in some little town. Yeah, with a thousand people. Suburbia definitely has that small town. Everybody feel. knows your name. Yeah. Feel which like as a city kid that always felt like bullshit to me. Really? Like everybody knows I your name. I always wanted that. Oh, I never wanted. Really, that. I always wanted to like uh-uh. because I grew up in such a big city it felt I always wanted to go to the market and like know the auntie really which to a certain degree I've experienced being Asian but not like in an American way of course yeah I always I've always like because of the co- like mostly I remember having that feeling watching these coming of age films of mm-hmm. like Oh, I wish I, I wish I knew my neighbor. I wish I could like bake a pie and take it to my neighbor. Like, see, I never wanted that. I always saw through the bullshit that was the small town vibe. Like, everybody knows your name means everybody knows your business. Yeah, yeah. And I think I wasn't really thinking on the terms of the reality. It was more of like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? Because we didn't have that closeness. Oh, you I know? see. No, there you're was saying. no closeness in in the town. It was very much. We do our thing, they do our their thing, and maybe right. it was because I was Asian, and mm-hmm. so I didn't feel like I could ever have anything like it, like that. I see what you're or, saying. Or we were treated differently because we were Asian. I don't necessarily know. I can't go back in time. I wish I could. <laughs> um, but but that feeling of just wanting to feel a little bit more, I guess, assimilated into the culture and society by the relationships around me, hmm. and I didn't necessarily feel that. And I'm thinking now, most likely, it was because I was Asian. Got it. That that when I see in these films, I realize, oh, I don't have that, and yeah, I don't even know how I to create. I see what that. you're saying. You know what I mean, yeah, I guess for me, suburbia has always been the ultimate incubator of white innocence mm. and a, a um a place where people of color were not allowed to live. Mm. Like, because if you think about it, the first suburbia, the first sub- suburb in the United States was in Levittown, New York. And like at the time, black people couldn't when Levittown was created, black people were not allowed to live there. It was quite literally like this is where white people live. You can't buy a home here. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. for me, the idea of like a lot of these coming of age films takes place in suburbia has always signified to me like suburbia equals whiteness. That's where uh, white people live. Yeah, absolutely. The, the yeah. idea of like, oh, you know, 
the assumed innocence, like I was talking about on the previous episode, the assumed innocence of white teenagers Mm -hmm. or of white kids, that's not necessarily a narrative that exists for black teenagers. Right, right, right. I think I feel like that mainly because I just saw The Hate You Give, Mm -hmm. which doesn't necessarily take place in the suburbs. Granted, Star, the main character, code switches between her inner city upbringing and her mostly white private school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, suburbia, it's it's a place that generally is like uncontoured by racial segregation. Definitely. Like in suburbia, racial absolution is a thing. Yeah. So white innocence can totally prevail. Right. And I, I, I got issues with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's get into maybe some common tropes and themes of yeah. coming of age films. Let's. So when I was telling a friend of mine that we were doing coming of age films as a topic, she's a black girl. She has a black boyfriend. And she looked at me and she said, coming of age films, you mean movies where deeply mediocre white people do deeply ordinary things? And I said, what do you mean? She's like, think about coming of age, like think about coming of age films specifically led by white women. Like not a lot happens. Mm mm. The Hate You Give, shit is happening. Mm-hmm. In Dope, which is another black coming-of-age film, shit happens. Mm-hmm. Lady Bird, I was like, oh, I think I could have seen that entire movie in 10 minutes. But wasn't Lady Bird a film? <laughs> a, Lady Bird felt like a film that I had never seen before, but also had seen a, mil- I had yeah. seen a million different iterations Yeah, well, also it. because I think the, act, the, act, the acting, talk, the about, acting. talk about white. That's how they talk in the suburbs. (laughs) The acting was uh, really good, in my opinion, as far as the main girl. Mm -hmm. But it was just like, it's just a relationship about her and her mother. and It felt like a, a filmmaker's film. Yeah. But there wasn't anything about the story itself that felt... Right. New and different. Like, after it was over, I was like, I didn't have to see that. Like, I would have been fine. Do you know what I mean? It was like a mediocre girl dealing with mediocre problems, mm-hmm. the end. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was yeah. it. Like, it didn't change my life profoundly. It didn't, no. I mean, if anything, I learned a couple of things from acting just because I am an actress myself. But if I wasn't an actress, if I was just an ordinary person, or if I just had really no interest in maybe the, spe- the specifics when it comes to more, you know, artistic things like movies, mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, I didn't really, I, I wasn't, I wasn't deeply impressed. Yeah, it very much felt like a filmmaker's film. Film. Yeah. But not necessarily like a film that I have to go out and right. see again. But that's exactly what most, you know, most of this these are just just a normal person and you're kind of following their journey from, you know, youth to adult or, you know, ch- teenage or whatever and that's pretty much it. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. Um the hate you give, that is not the case. I have to watch it. I haven't It's great. I haven't seen it. I saw one billboard about it and that was it. I read the book. It's that's why. it's it's great. Okay. Like, the black community is very happy that Good. it's out. I would say, as part of our call to action, like, go see. Yeah. Go see The Hate You Give yeah. if you're looking for a... It's a great title, by the way. Already. It is. Just it's... already, I'm like, hmm. I can't say enough great stuff about yeah. it. Like, but, like, Lady Bird? Like, what is that? Is that a mascot? Is that a secret sexy name you use? Like, what is... You know what I mean? Like, The Hate You Give already just has so much depth in it. Yeah. But Lady Bird, you're like... Is she a lady? Is she a bird? I see what you're saying. Is she transform into a bird? I see what you're saying. Like, if you don't know anything about the movie, right. what, it, what even if it is, the title itself. Yeah. The hate you give elicits an emotional response yeah. right away. Right away. Lady Bird, it, there's something... I mean, I'm not hating on the movie. I'm just, Sounds you like know. you are. <laughs> Girl, it's okay if you are, though. So, in terms of coming-of-age films and tropes, so losing virginity seems to be, like, a common through line losing your virginity seems to be a central plot point along with first love yeah first, first love place. first kiss first anything yeah. yeah driving is another common trope yeah. well but seriously like think of the opening scene of clueless yeah. Cher is driving to pick up dion yeah. as they go to school right. same thing with love simon like there's a lot of driving and coming of age yeah. films and i get it because as we said on the on our on our driving episode, driving is like a rite of passage. It is. In the and United also States. think think about as a teenager how much actually happens in the car with your parents when they're taking right. you to school, when you're feeling mad, when you first start to learn to drive. It's all within that period. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But also I've noticed that 
I've noticed, I just watched a bunch of films and prep for this. Driving is also where we tend to meet our other characters. Yeah. Like in Clueless, like we meet Dion straight away. Like we get the rundown on who Dion is in Love, Simon. We get the rundown on who all of his friends are. Yeah, definitely. I also think that driving is like a metaphor for, you know, Kids don't drive themselves. Kids don't have that much responsibility. Mm-hmm. A car is responsibility. Yes. You have elevated, you've officially gone out of the, let's say, you know, the teen range and you're moving up in society. Right. By dri- and everyone can remember the first time they drove a car, the first time, you know, they started to really move up in that sense. For sure. Yeah. Definitely. There's almost always like a make out or sorry, a make over oh, scene. There's, there's always a make out too. But uh, makeover scenes tend to be, like, super common in mm-hmm. teen movies. I think Clueless, obviously, far and away. Oh, yeah. Oh, over Did it the best. Yeah. Uh, mean Girls, also far mm-hmm. and away, mm-hmm. had a great makeover. And mm-hmm. I think with the makeover, the the subtext is often leave the kid demeanor behind. Yeah. Like, change the outside, change the inside. Yeah, definitely. You took Lindsay Lohan out of those awful, oversized polo shirts. Yeah. And put her in really short skirts. Tight tight shirts right yeah. exactly and but like also is better but then like change you know you change dyes hair yeah. co- ties hair color yeah, like exactly ma- new makeover new look new life yeah exactly essentially is what i feel like <laughs> it's like an ad campaign you. for like some like l'oreal like <laughs> it's true no it's great got, I mean, new but, look new life new look new life i used to have a dance change, Beauty for a all. dance teacher that said change your weave change your life <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's kind of true. Like I, I you know, I think of when my friends get haircuts or, or new hair colors, and like they what have a new, they like walk through life a little bit differently. No, definitely. Just yeah. saying. Yeah, I feel you. Another common theme is tackling unpopularity. Mm. That seems to be a common theme. Yeah. We see that in Juno. We saw that in Sixteen yeah. Candles. And I think that that's an important lesson to, I guess, teach teens. Not that I necessarily think that teens want to see that. But I feel like... Yeah, I think if anything, they feel it the most. Like, I remember being popular or not being popular was a really big deal to me. And every child was different. Right. But, yeah, that was huge for me growing up. Right, and I think it's often tackled in teen movies because, look, not everyone can be popular. It's like, look, not everyone can be popular or the pretty girl. Or also, too, like, everyone wants... Part of you... Part of every teen at some point wants to be popular. Right. And if you're not popular, where what are those interactions like when you are with the popular people? Mm-hmm. And everyone can remember that. Definitely. Yeah. And often I feel like the subtext of the unpopular of the unpopular but somehow protagonist characters yes. is it's cooler to be un like the unpopular kids are vastly more fascinating. Yeah. Than the un- than the popular kids. Yes, to a certain degree. And for me, I always had an issue because I always felt like the unpopular kids could never get the love interest or could never get the losing the virginity or or the makeout. And that's why for me, I always felt like coming of age films were always like bullshit because I was I always thought like unpopular girls never get the guy. Unless you were talking about 16 Candles. Yes, exactly. But I, I know but what you, know you mean. What I mean. That, that sort of just... inter-social yeah. love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Just a side note. <laughs> I always feel like something happens at a Halloween party. Yeah. Halloween, there seems to be like... Some kind of party at least, but a lot of Halloween parties. But Halloween seems to be the, the holiday yeah, where yeah. shit goes awry. Yeah. Whether it's Mean Girls or Love, Simon yeah. or... Oh, what was that Hillary Duff movie? Oh my God, what was that Hillary Duff movie? Um, 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 a, Cinderella, a Cinderella story. A Cinderella story. Oh my God. Like, Halloween, because you are dressed as someone, someone else, else, there is a layer of deception that uh-huh. teen films love they to love really it. like happen upon. And mix yeah. that with like underage drinking, all oh. of that just sort of fuels the drama right. of a showdown that will be the epic Halloween mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And then, depending on the timeline of this teen film, there always seems to be like a crazy summer. Yeah. Sister of the Traveling Pants had it. Days and Confused had it. Oh, and sometimes they'll do flashbacks or they'll talk right. about it. And yeah. summertime tends to be the time that they flash back to now and then. Yeah. Remember that summer when they, like, you know, yeah. tried to f- figure out who murdered Homeboy? Yeah. Like, summertime is the th- the thing that 
teen films like to ref or yeah, coming of age films like to love, genre. Yep. Exactly. Graduation, like so then, you know, you're going off to college and right. so then you have one last summer. Because so, summer equals possibility, right? Exactly. You're not in school unless yep. you're Asian, then you're in summer school. Right. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, like generally, because these are mostly white stories, summer is like free for all. Yeah. Where I'm, I used to always think too when I was watching these movies growing up, being like, "Where are the parents?" Like I often like, do too. My mom would be up all over my shit, asking right. me, "What am I doing? Where am I going?" Because we lived in a big city, right? Exactly. And then you could never just—I mean, part of it I had did experience that a lot growing up, which I'm really grateful for. But for the most part, it was never just like, "Bye, see you in four but days." But I think that's also because we're girls. Yeah, so it's a little too. bit different when you're raising a young boy versus raising a young girl. My mm-hmm. mom was always in my shit. Yeah. Where are you going? Who are you going to be with? Yeah. When are you coming home? Like, yeah. I, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. I also felt that way. Um, I also feel that way when I see teens driving. Like, yeah. <laughs> anytime I watch the opening scene of Clueless, I'm like, you got school at 8 a.m. Yeah. And it is bright and sunny. It looks right. like it is 11 yeah. What are you doing? Like, what time is it? <laughs> How are these kids never late for school? That's the director's problem, Alana. I'm just saying. That's why you never acknowledge time in films. Ever. 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 Never give a timeline. Never give a time of day. No. Um, I'm glad you said that. Because, yeah, definitely. Or... Well, unless, where's the parents, unless you're like Amy Poehler in Mean Girls. Yeah. You're always Which, around. And Mean Girls itself was was genius. Right. <laughs> was just like, For we sure. all know that, that they exist. Right. Definitely. And then you've always, it feels like in teen films, you've got two kinds of teachers. You've got the idiot teacher and you've got the cool English teacher that is always like with the anti-hero. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like the idiot teacher would be like Ben Stein and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes. Like Mueller, Mueller. Mueller. You know what I mean? yeah. Like that's that's the idiot teacher, or like the detention proctor in Breakfast Club. Breakfast yeah. Club, yes. Yeah. But on the flip side, you've got there's always like the cool English teacher that yeah. the antihero identifies yeah. with. There's always that like really mean principal lady, or like, always, always, right? Where everyone's afraid of, or she's na- even the way they like shoot it. You know, it's like they pan up. Yeah, or, like, it gets really close and tight on their face for sure. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Versus like the cool English teacher, we yeah. could cite uh, Drew Barrymore yeah. and Donnie Darko. Yeah, you could definitely cite Robin Williams and Dead, Dead Poets Poet Society. Society. Dead Poets Society was one of those that I thought was really well done. Oh, of course, because the message and everything didn't really feel like a coming of age film at first because they're tackling something so precious, right. I guess, near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. But then when I was reading, I was you know also doing research for this, and I was reading a bunch of articles, and I was like, "Holy shit, you're right! Dead Poet Society is a coming of age film." But it kind of that one kind of flew over my head because it doesn't always have the typical like, you know, the way. You know, and I think like the typical breakdown of a coming of age film. Yeah, yeah, I know? felt the same way about uh, Almost Famous. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where I in prep, I was like, "Is Almost Famous really a coming of age film?" Okay, right. yeah, I get it. You Revenge of the Nerd, it. the nerd like he gets the girl. Yeah, that, that seems to be a common through line. Of but a in lot. Dead Poets Society, there was I mean there were some girls involved, but it never really it was about that the main protagonist, but but uh the main character, but he, you know, he didn't really go off and, and seek girls or, you know, have a first kiss. Like it was just very, yeah. I know what you mean. I like the ones that can like sneak in a little. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting that it's always the English teacher. Yeah. That our protagonist seems to really identify with. Well, not, is it always the English teacher? Maybe not always, but the the films that are jumping out to me. I see. Well, I guess not, because in Mean Girls, Tina Fey was the math teacher. But it's a teacher. It's at least some sort of teacher equivalent, because, I mean, see, and that's the thing I can relate to, because I went to a school with so many students and so many teachers, maybe one or two, but I never really had a teacher that I could, like, go to that could, like, I could confide in. Oh, I did. Oh, you did. Definitely okay. did. I guess I, I'm, I guess I'm saying English teacher because Drew and Robin are the two examples that are popping into mind. Clearest. Oh, I see. But I also think that there's something about the fact that they teach English. They teach the way that we could that we then communicate. communicate. Mm. That translates to I understand you. The math yes. teacher might not understand you. Right. The science teacher maybe not either. But your English teacher, the person who is teaching you to read, write, and speak, fascinating. I didn't ever thought about that. Under like uh, completely understand understands it. you. Right. That makes sense. Another common trope is that I feel like there's always 
a f- almost always, I should say, a failed attempt to de-gay a suspected gay character. Huh. You often, not always, but... Often, but not always. I think yes, more I stand now. Corrected. More now, but back then, I don't think... Yeah, I didn't. I don't remember growing up seeing a lot of. I remember Jenna Malone's character in Saved. Remember her? She like had sex with her gay boyfriend and got pregnant. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't remember this. That was like a plot point of her particular character. Like she had sex with her boyfriend who was suspected to be gay, and he was gay. Right. But then she got pregnant. Right. Oh yeah, and Lady Bird, her first boyfriend is gay. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Um, what's the other movie? Oh, um, but I'm a cheerleader. I didn't see that one. That, that was a more indie one, but in it, confused, I'm using confused in in quotes, obviously, confused teens are sent to a de-ganging school, and one of the, the, the unique points about this school is like the same sex beds to help and unconfuse the confused kids. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is back in the, the unwoke days of coming-of-age films, right. gayness was viewed as something that needed you to be fixed. cured or fixed. You had a disease. Right. And it yes. needed to be worked out. Yes. Because we knew so little yes. about the LGBT mm-hmm. community that we thought, like, oh, you're gay? Right. Go often, over here. Often dealing with religion as well. Going often. to church, some sort of. I just have like flashbacks of watching movies of the mom being like really like uptight and uppity and and like and religious. Mm-hmm. You know, finding you know things like that. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and like and and I guess along this line, sometimes teenage pregnancy is dealt with. Definitely. That's a whole other trope in and of itself. That. I, as a black woman, as I look back, I'm like, ooh, you know, you couldn't have had a movie like Juno with an African-American female. Can you imagine? Because that's too much like social commentary. Right. Can you imagine all these and and, and, and no one even ever thought about or what it would be like to do it. Like, that's like I thought to all the boys I never loved before was amazing because Asian girls kissing. Mm-hmm. Asian girls being sexually active. Yeah, yeah, we are so highly sexualized in, right. in Hollywood. So there's just this like insane like like from one to a hundred real quick. Yeah. So we can be sluts and whores and be super highly sexualized. But yeah, but we can't get pregnant. But when we're sixteen, right. but when we're sixteen, we we don't kiss the boy. But also, you know, simultaneously, it feels like when white girls get pregnant in coming of age films, it feels like. Oh, it's okay. We're gonna we'll get, take care of we'll it. We'll take care of it. Yeah, it'll but be fine. I can tell you, as an African American girl who has a member of the family that got pregnant in high school, shit was not all roses and butterflies. No way. Like it was not. Like my cousin struggled hard and fast. It was not this rosy thing that we yeah. just deal with. It right. wasn't just. Um, yeah, peaches and cream. Yeah, like my cousin was ostracized at school yeah. for, for being a, a, a pregnant teenager right. in high school and yeah. not even graduated. Like the exploration of white female sexuality in coming of age films has always been really isolating to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same here. I feel exactly the same way because it's just it's it's simply either not always completely like obviously the truth of mm-hmm. that scenario. And I think on top of it, knowing that that is never something that we would go through um, in terms of having people sort of embrace it and and it just being kind of brushed over so smoothly. You know? Yeah. That's my thing. It's like a lot of yeah. times, you know, like just, okay, well, it's a problem, but we'll figure it out. And, and that's a no. Yeah. I think of the film 13. Remember with Evan Rachel Wood and uh. Nikki Reed? And that yes. movie was all about, I think it was Evan Rachel Wood's character. Yeah, no bra, no panties. Mm-hmm. It was about her character exploring her her young sexual side. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that movie, not recently, but when I saw it and being like, hmm, that's interesting. If those two girls were black girls, they would be labeled hoochies and sluts. Yeah, exactly. And and if it was Asian girls, no one would even go even go watch it. Nobody. Like people would like laugh. Like, is that a like is that a joke? Like people would probably laugh in other people's faces. Right. Yeah. Like sexuality yeah, in these films, it's often a double edged sword because like when white people explore their sexuality, it's either supposed to be cute, sweet, funny, endearing, or a joke. Mm-hmm. White 
teenagers are right. given the license to explore their sexual side. Yeah. That same courtesy is not given to young black, brown, or Asian teenagers. Like without, that is just without, not. without it. Without it being anything extra or more, you know, just simply like yeah. she fell in love with the boy, she had sex with the boy, blah 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 blah. Right. But with us, it would it, there's so much more that falls into mm-hmm. that, whether it's cultural, whether it's your own, you know, hypersexuality. Yeah, completely different, and and so these coming of age films, watching them growing up, not only did I feel that growing up, but then but then also then realizing how not true that that was for me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was really off-putting. In hindsight, you know, or I guess as a teenager watching these films, I often felt like these saccharine, sweet, white girl hopes, dreams, and desires, these are the hopes, dreams, and desires that all girls should have. Yes. Like, And if you don't, something's wrong, wrong with, with you. Wrong with you. Yes. Exactly. So not only is something wrong with me, but I will never be that because, or can never be that because I'm not white. Right. Yeah. Or I'm not of a certain social class. Yeah. Or I don't live in the suburbs, which yeah. is this, like, you know, white, innocent... Uh, uh, right. Parents have jobs. Right. You know, is the mortgage being paid? Right. <laughs> like, you Like, know? these kids don't have to code switch, Mm-mm. as is the case with Hate You Give, or yeah. just as is the case with any kid living yeah. in the inner city that maybe gets bussed out to a charter school or gets bussed out to a, a private school mm-hmm. on scholarship. Yeah. Like, these are the real realities that kids of color have to deal with that coming-of-age films really don't do, thus making young kids of color feel isolated. Super isolated. So you have white people telling white stories right. for who? Not just white people. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Right, exactly. <laughs> and if people of color are in these films, like I said earlier, like we're stock characters. We're fillers. Yeah. Sassy best friends, neighbors, right. bullies, competitions, but our backstories are never explored. Mm-hmm. Why? Because more often than not there's quote no time to explore those backstories Mm -hmm. but also there's not enough stories established for these characters no not at all and I mean I think to all the boys I loved before was so fascinating because again it was an Asian girl and I like okay pretend she's not Asian she's white right right like Mm -hmm. she was her dad she was supposedly half white which i had issues with the sisters not ne- none of them really anyways it was well told and well done in the fact where it was you finally saw an asian girl just not just being just human. existing yeah, yeah just existing and the fact that she was asian was huge right but you still didn't have that many Asians, obviously, because she lived in a little town in Oregon or whatever, you know? Right, And right. so it, it's a win, but there's still so much more that I think is sort of not completely getting told only because of who knows what. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I'm excited to see um, The Hate You Give. If it's great. Yeah. Actually, speaking of To All the Boys I've Loved Before and Hate You Give actually just made me think of something. Um and I might get blowback for saying this, but I'm going to keep it real and keep it honest. Minority children in the United States are often forced to grow up faster. faster. Oh, yeah. Than white kids. Literally, it was like saying that sentence with you in my head. Yeah. We experience trauma much earlier. Much earlier. Than white kids. Mm-hmm. We are forced to grow up faster, whether it's because you are a black kid living in the inner city, so poverty yeah. and hustling. Yeah. Perhaps you got family in the that are that's incarcerated, mm-hmm. so you got the prison Drugs. system in effect. Drugs, right. if that's gangs. where you come from, all of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you are a first generation Asian kid, you might have to be the cultural and language liaison between your your parents who are here but don't speak the language. Yeah, so then documents, bills, absolutely, you know, response like credit. Like, all the stuff that falls into that. A lot of minority kids don't come from two-parent households. Nope. So there's that extra added strength that I have to be a good student and give to this household some way. I've got to start working It all falls on me. Definitely. Yeah. And that is often not reflected in coming-of-age films. Mm -hmm. White kids are given the privilege and the luxury to just be To go to football games? They can can be a cheerleader. They They can... they don't have to do chores, like just little things 
that add up over time mm-hmm. where you simply just cannot relate. And then because of the popularity of the film, because of the friends that you're surrounded with, I'm talking about me, mm-hmm. um, you, like you said before, it feels very overwhelmingly isolating mm-hmm. and only allows you to see how more different you are which then in turn actually feels really bad definitely yeah definitely because i do think like the experience that you the experiences that you just spoke about you know like the quintessential high school football scene right i know kids in the projects that go to football games too the difference between like the shiny bright sparkly happy white film football games and the ones that the kids that i know go to is the ones that i know about the ones in the inner city kids are like looking over their shoulder Mm mm-hmm What's happening? Yeah. Game's over. Gotta go quick. Like, don't right. loiter. Don't stick around. Like, our team won. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll see you at home or I'll see you over there We're at the hangout. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This idea that white kids are just allowed to really cherish Their... every <laughs> iota of growing up mm-hmm. is something that is completely foreign to me. Even now. I think yeah. of some of the grown white male and female friends that I have, some of them chose to grow up fast and some of them chose to put the pedal to the metal and get their careers together. Some of them, though... Still live in high school. Still, like, they are still 25, like, still... Just... You know... Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. Must be nice. I think that's a big difference Mm -hmm. where minority children do end up having to grow up faster because of their circumstances and that allows us not to really be able to relish and enjoy whatever so-called those teenagers' years are. Mm-hmm. Um, We're also aged up by default. Yes. In, in white situations. Mm-hmm. We are often looked at as older than we are from a much younger age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Part of it is the way that I think, and I'm speaking specifically for black kids at this point, the way that we sort of grow and change, specifically black boys. Mm-hmm. Black boys go from being, oh, so cute, oh, he's adorable, to the minute that those kids shoot up a couple of inches and that kid face, face turns change. into a man face yeah. you are no longer looked at as a kid you're barely looked at as a teen you are looked at as a man That's so fascinating and that is not necessarily the case with white teenage boys yeah well also sometimes in asian community you are given the responsibility to all of a sudden have to really care and and give to your prince because you owe them That's a huge thing oh. and so you may never necessarily be looked up looked as a man you will oh, always, yeah. If you don't give your parents possibly a house, a car, don't make enough money, right? You will never hit that. You'll never be a man. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, I never knew that. Yeah. So wow. So in theory, like you might never be a man, especially if you are a boy. They put so much emphasis on the firstborn. Yeah. On the boy. Well, that's also so true if, in like Black Southern culture too. Right. So yeah. if you don't live up to those expectations, mm-hmm. they might not respect you. There, there's that, you know, uh, that's my, like, uh, yeah, that's, that's that son, you know, but this son. Interesting. Right? Like, I'm sure there's that in every family and every culture, but the fact that you're saying in the black community, which is fascinating, which I can see, especially because of mostly African Americans, mm-hmm. uh, physicality. Yeah. Um, you change and, and, and you have that feeling, but we don't as much I realize interesting there is this like okay now you're 21 or now you're making money now you're going to college here is this here is all the expectations I've ever had for you into your life and now you must meet them got it Mm -hmm. I have a question while we're on the like having to grow up fast topic young black kids from a very young age we are taught about the police we are taught about how to act around the police oh I'm sure we are From a very young age, those conversations are being had about what it means to be black, what it means to to walk while black, drive while black. These are concepts that our parents drill into us from a really young age. To survive. To survive. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You have to. You don't see any of those conversations. And they're doing it based on their experiences. Oh, no, you don't. You do see it in the hate you give. Mm. That's young, early on. Modern. Definitely. Does that exist in Asian culture? Not really. Okay. Um, not at least us in the sense of like, be careful of this white person Got or it. be careful of this kind of person. Um, not so much because if you think about it, we are quiet, docile. <laughs> That's we don't, true. We don't make noise. Got you it. You know, the chances of us 
getting caught by the police because of, you know, selling drugs or ending up in the in prison is most likely not something people think about or see. But don't get me wrong. There's a ton of yeah. Asian men, Asian gangs. Oh, I'm, oh yeah. I'm know? not, I'm and not like, denying that. And the fact that there is also, the again, these two extremities, yeah. you know, that, that don't get spoken about enough. Mm-hmm. Um or acknowledged as well in these kind of movies. Right. Then yeah, then what's life? <laughs> is, is it just is it just white people and their stories? Apparently, if we're looking at That's what at it felt these, like for me growing up. I felt like I, I just was that. never going to be, you know, that. I get that. Yeah. Another common refrain that seems to happen in white female-led coming of age films is the protagonists um constant thinking about how bored she is how ordinary life is and how unsatisfied she is with this bored and ordinary life (laughs) and i realized minority kids are not just given license to just be bored and ordinary bored was a thing that i didn't have the luxury to yeah. Feel? <laughs> yeah. My and parents were like, boredom, what are you talking about? There's so much to be yeah, done. Yeah. Like, yeah. And looking back now, I'm really grateful that I did have here. that. Because it really, I mean, I'm grateful for everything that, that I went through because I think it's made me see things in a different way and, again, grow grow up faster in a sense. I appreciated that a lot. I think mm-hmm. it's made me a stronger human being. But, yeah, this idea of, like, don't get me wrong. I think as a teenager, there is this idea of, like, time being very vast and like school is over and all this stuff but a lot of times in these little small home small towns there's this feeling of like emptiness yeah right yeah and this feeling of like ladybird really yeah really hit up on that right. for sure and a lot of like well now what you know like yeah. what are we doing now and for me i had a packed schedule yo and if i didn't have a packed schedule then i had shit to do right <laughs> i'm right there with you i'm an only child my mom kept my schedule full a to keep me busy and keep me you know keep my my interests peaked and all that stuff but also like to keep me around other kids yeah because the minute that i got home it was just my parents and i don't get me wrong parents are great but like my mom wanted to make sure that i was more than properly socialized exactly there was always something to do and even when i was home the luxury of like oh i'm just bored like that is a privilege and a luxury (laughs) bestowed upon rich white people because my parents made it super clear Boredom doesn't exist. If you're bored, you're not doing enough. And yeah. B, like, what do you want to do in life? Right. What, right. And what goals are you trying exactly. to achieve? And that starts Chase early on. Those. Mm-hmm. That's an early minority yeah. point of view. Right. And it's not necessarily like, I don't remember my mom telling me at like nine or ten being like, what goals do you want to achieve? Or let's achieve them. And maybe she did. But it's that mentality yeah. Right? It's that frame of mind of like, this is what I want. This is what I, what I want to achieve. Or if this is what I like. Or even just the playing. Like even playing had like an attention. Like yeah. my mom would let me like play for hours. And I would get creative and imagine my own little world. Same. But I would be playing and I would be actually like stimulated. And, and having an imagination versus just like checked out. Yeah. You know, at some babysitter's home. Definitely. Or just the TV raising me. Like you hear for all the time. Sure. I hear all the time white kids being like yeah the television raised me you know and i'm like excuse me i didn't have i i couldn't watch i didn't have cable till i was like 12 my mom well, didn't let me watch like but like but that i mean those are extremes in that where it was just like eh like instead of the parents challenging the kid yeah you know definitely i mean once i hit high school i was definitely much more of a latchkey kid because my parents worked but i also went to an arts high school where yeah. like i had pulled away. once i hit home it was like i had plenty of homework mm-hmm. and plenty of artistic fodder right to keep me interested and to keep me essentially working and going until i went to bed mm-hmm. there's also the adage i'm i I'm sure you grew up with this adage, but in black culture, there's a saying, you've got to work twice as hard to get half as much. Mm. Like that was a saying that I was raised with from a very young age. Interesting. This idea of you've got to work harder than the white kids. You cannot settle for okay. White people are allowed to be okay and mediocre and get by. Hello, look at our president. I guess guess for me, I grew up in a predominantly Asian community. Got it. So our okay was already above everyone else's 
So for us, it was like it, it wasn't even something you you thought about. Oh yeah, I'll take, I'll just get a B. I'm happy with it. it was like no, like yeah. If you don't get an A, then you're dumb as fuck. Oh, an A is the A is the only option. That is what I was raised with. My parents definitely allowed me to get like a B or a B minus. Yeah. See, but... I was grateful. My mom really didn't care as much. Okay. She didn't grow up the way I grew up, right? Mm-hmm. She grew up in a much, whoa, let's, let's not get into that. But I put that on myself. Got it. Yeah. See, once I knew I wanted to be a performer and once I had had that like goal in my mind, my parents really helped to foster that in yeah, me. I'm, yeah, my mom too. I'm really grateful. Listeners, I love you all so much, so I'm going to be really honest. I had a terrible, terrible SAT score. So bad I took it twice and they were bad both times. Um, I didn't even take it. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Oh, okay. What kind of Asian am I? What kind of Asian are you? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I have one thing in common with Kobe Bryant, and that's our SAT score. Um, but once I, like, knew that that was what I wanted to do, all of the the time and attention that my parents had towards maybe, like, academic prep, it was, like, it shifted to yeah, artistic prep. totally, totally. Because it's like, oh, this is what my daughter wants to do? Yeah. Let's sink all of our resources into making sure that that right. happens oh, for amazing. her. amazing. But I mean, like, but again, it's like working twice as hard to get half as much. Yeah. Like, I was doing the extra acting classes. I was doing yeah. dance classes. I was doing voice classes. I was yeah. learning to play an instrument. Like, yeah. my parents Same. made sure that there was not a single speck mm-hmm. of boredom. Again, like, I think that that's a privilege and a luxury. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think you and I have grown up very despite being minorities and immigrants and all that stuff and dealing what we had to do i think we've still been very lucky don't get me wrong i think we've experienced a lot of you know hateful and 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 things that that only you can do kind of really feel if you are a minority i feel Mm -hmm. like um but other than that being said i mean i i'm grateful that this that these feelings so I guess what I'm trying to say is a lot of times watching these coming-of-age films, you tend to put the emphasis on why you're different and not focus on why you're unique yeah. and what makes Ooh. you special and and what you have necessarily over like over them, but it's that feeling of like, they have that going on, but but I speak more languages. Yeah. I, ha- oh. I have a mother that, that cooks at home. I You know, like, yeah. I, I think... I think Watching these movies growing up made me feel... I went through all the emotions of not feeling good enough, never being going to be that girl, always going to be the ugly, dumb Asian girl, whatever it is that, that, that I went through. But I had a fantastic mother that through those feelings, I I was able to go through them and sort of really see what I have that's special. That's beautiful. And so I didn't I really... thought about that I didn't all. really buy into... Maybe momentarily, maybe for a couple hours, maybe always kind of in the back of my mind, wishing and wanting that I could be that that popular girl that got the boy mm-hmm. in high school. But realizing pretty pretty fast after that, what I had going on for me was that more than that would ever do for me. Got it. You know? And maybe that maybe and I. It sounds like what you just said is the inherent difference between like being white and being a minority. Where like. Because we're talking about mostly white-led films, there's so many white people in the world. Mm-hmm. You, you, I would assume that white people tend to focus on how they're not measuring up. Right. Whereas if you're a minority, you've already got so much working against you. Yeah, you you've got to fill yourself yeah, up. Yeah, and you've got to really stand out because of yeah. how you don't stand out already mm-hmm. in society. And so maybe, I don't know if there's any studies on this, but maybe if you are white and you are, if you're a white teenager, girl or boy, and you are watching these films and it's so cool to see your life portrayed on a movie, mm-hmm. but because there's already so much of that already being told or done, maybe there doesn't, they don't feel the need to be anything more. Oh, that's you interesting. Know, not yeah. that you have to be more, but I'm just analyzing the like cycle, like psychoanalytical, like sort yeah. of behind that. Hmm. That because of these movies, not solely because of these movies, but I really had to see what I had different and special because right. I really didn't feel special after watching these movies. Got it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's actually really profound. I never thought about that. Yeah. Because anytime I watch these coming of age films, the 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 scenes about love and romance were always hard for me because I was a black girl that went to a predominantly white school. Mm-hmm. And my parents let me know nicely, but honestly, <laughs> like, you're black and, like, you know, boys. you're having crushes on white boys yeah. and you have to 
know early on that like some people agree with races mixing and dating and some people yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was always a fear of mine that like I would have a crush on a boy, a white boy, and like he would like me back, but his parents wouldn't approve. And I always, I, yeah. I would hold out hope that there was a scene like that in one of these coming oh, age films that would like help me through that that anxiety. Like, Ugh. oh God, please just like let there be a coming of age film with a black leading See, lady character I, like, having this problem. Tell me what to do if I'm ever in this situation and that movie never happened. Yeah. That scene never and when came. You're, and when you're a teenager, these emotions, like what you just talked about, like I'm getting teary-eyed, like it's the end of the world. Yeah. You know? It's life and death. It literally feels like it's the end of the world yeah. when you're 14. And to not have that and not necessarily... Your mom being there guiding you through this because it's not like she could because it's right. your, it's your own emotional undercurrent right. running through that and she can't always guess that she can prepare and, me and it's not like you can can't. always just always run up to her and tell her to no, you know and as a child too and as a teenager you always want to be cool too so right. you're not gonna always run your most of the time you're not running to your parents no um, for these problems so that's amazing I see yeah that. I have that thought sometimes of like, oh, I'm Asian, and if I date a white guy or I date a whatever different race guy, there's that aspect of like them meeting me and realizing that I'm Asian. Yeah. But 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 what you just said was so touching of like, oh dear God, please hope they like me because I'm black. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But even so, like with these white coming of age films, obviously, like there's going to be a cultural element that's missing. Yeah. Culture whether it's love or whether yeah. it's family. Yeah. I hate yeah. how in these coming of age films, like the parents are, the parents are awful because they're awkward because they say weird things and they <laughs> dance weird and like, Dad. oh, my parents are so embarrassing. Yeah. But like, that is nothing compared to the minority experience of maybe your parents aren't from here mm -hmm. and you possibly being embarrassed because like, you know, maybe one of your parents doesn't speak English yeah. and can't communicate with your, fe your, your fellow classmates right. and their parents. Right. Like that is a different form of upbringing. embarrassment completely yeah that yeah. like to me i hate like is so much deeper seated and so much more meaningful it, it actually it, it exactly it almost like runs a lot more of your thought process than than you actually think right as a child right um which then runs you know your actions and your behaviors but yeah i had i had thoughts of like if my mom met one of my white friends moms like would they get along and Big like, one. and then would that be a problem? And then if they didn't get along, I felt like, or if my mom didn't like her or if the, the language is a problem, I felt like dumb. Like, yeah, then that, like then that's that, a direct reflection of you. Yeah. For sure. Right, right, right. And then I really didn't know, if, like, could I be mad at my mom? My mom, should I be mad at my mom? Mm -hmm. I don't, I know I don't have to write a right to be mad at my mom. Like you, I like going through all of these, I just thought about it now, like how often that, that, that was just there. It was normal. Super. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we can't emote like the white kids to our parents. No way. Like, Are you kidding me? Hell no. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I can't talk smack to my mom and my dad like these white kids seem to. <laughs> no Are you out of your way. fucking mind? You're, yeah, you're insane. Let's talk about another isolating factor. I don't have to go too deeply into that, but like, no. Grounded? I, like, what? What is that? I, I, I don't even... But again, like these 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 white people's problems that have been served to us in these movies, and we're supposed to take them seriously. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, I just remember like growing up, be like, oh, my mom grounded me, and I'm like, what is grounded? I remember what being like, does that even mean? what does that even mean? Oh, it means I'm like, you have the luxury to be grounded. Right. Yeah. Like this is all steeped in privilege and luxury. Oh, uh, I can't. I can't use my computer for a week. You're like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, it, it's it's completely insane. <laughs> um, all of that said, like, I feel like black people and Asian people, when we make coming of age films, we don't necessarily they don't get the stamp of being coming of age films. Mm. They get the stamp of being other things. Mm. I'm thinking I like made a list of some when of you, my favorite yeah, black go, coming of age films. Go into films. that. So dope, I would say, is a coming of age film, definitely. Crooklyn is 
Crooklyn is a coming of age film, but because it's a, a film by Spike Lee, and so it's often written as a Spike or written off as a Spike Lee joint or like a, a commentary on black oh, filmmaking, okay. it doesn't necessarily give it that give it doesn't necessarily get the mark. golden title of coming of age. Right. Boys in the Hood definitely Boys a coming of age hood. film. Juice coming of age film. Love and Basketball yeah. is a coming of age film. Yeah, these were all considered dramas, but because they're led by black people again it's like black artists when black artists make art we are making statements when white artists make movies they make art yeah you're and that's absolutely some bullshit. right sister. yeah yeah that is bullshit we have our stories too yeah absolutely so yeah if you're listening and you're like i what are black coming of age films dope seventh grade crooklyn cooley high love and basketball juice boys in the hood the wood roll bounce atl remember the titans atl house remember party the, titans. the inkwell like these are yeah, all yeah, 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 african-american yeah. coming of age films that if you are looking to to be told a different story my call to action for the end of this episode is watch some of these films now granted as a black woman i just have to call out a couple of these films because a lot of these films are Male. Led by men. Yeah, by yeah. Men. And, that, and, and those were the times, I guess you could say, again, times of less woke. But Yeah, but I mean, they're important stories that need yes. to be told. Yes. But I do feel like we need more black female right. coming of age films. And also, don't get me wrong. I think if you're a black child, or you at least, and you have the option to see Boys in the Hood versus some other white movie, that Boys in the Hood would make way more of an impact and you would fall way more in love with than maybe a coming-of-age film that is all white. And You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's still something. It's still a win for the black community Definitely. back then. Definitely. And so now that we are more woke and headed, headed into the direction of hopefully more equality. I hope. Um, Fingers crossed. Yes. That, uh, that, that, that now, like, Generation Z can have that yeah and in ways i am jealous of generation z yeah, i remember you telling me because that. they get now because of all of this work that has been done in society to accept the lgbt community yeah. uh black people a, black and asian visibility is up significantly mm-hmm. this is like an amazing, amazing year for both black filmmakers and asian yeah. filmmakers I feel like so much of the groundwork and work has been done mm-hmm. so that generation z can could see these coming of age films mm-hmm. that are so much more current I and think so about much like more touching you watching, and real watching the hit you gave when you're like you know when you were that age or me watching To All the Boys I Ever Loved when I was you know 14 I it, it would have changed my I probably would have watched it like 20 times yeah you know? or even being a young girl and watching A Wrinkle in Time like holy shit yeah. we are not just the token mm-hmm. i remember being in high school acting class and being like okay i can't wait to be the token black in this film right. because I, it was all that I mean, was available well just i mean in college talk about in the 2000s when, <gasps> I, was, when I was in college i was like every single play that the school's going to every single production the school's going to put on is a white play is a white play white and play. and what do i what do i do, I mean, I auditioned for them anyways. Yeah, I you mean, know? You, because but, what was the alternative? Right. To not and to not do what you love? Exactly. But, you know, I was like, this isn't fair. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, so tell me about it. We got a long way to go, but 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 we're getting there. And I, I think, I think as far as, like, our call to action, if you are an artist, a writer, a producer, a cinematographer, if you're not, that's fine. But I would say... Constance Wu said this perfectly where she was talking about crazy rich Asians and some people had some backlash of course there will always be there will always be backlash but she said you we have to start telling our stories true no matter what amen and she only said that because she knows crazy rich Asians isn't going to cover the entire umbrella of Asians right you know I'm sure there are certain Asians that don't feel represented which it's valid but she said whoever you are just start telling your story yeah and so I think I've I've said this before in a previous episode that had to do with some some of this kind of similar message, but it was, you know, write your own story, you know, uh, show it to people, get it read, all this stuff to really start to tell your story. So then these stories can really start changing. Yeah. Um, And you never know who you're inspiring and who you're touching. Yeah. Absolutely. When you are when you do tell your own story. Yeah, I completely agree. And then just realizing that I think we're of a different you said it you were so funny where you were like, 
it's really hard watching coming-of-age films when you have already come of yeah, age. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. Like, I've come of age. You know yeah, what I mean? So like, I think for us, it's, I mean, unless there are any amazing 15 to 18 to 20-year-olds that are downloading this and subscribing, please, amazing, awesome. But recognizing that, I guess, the differences that these coming-of-age films will point out in your life and magnify is nothing compared to what you really are so and true. your special that you have that no one else will ever have because yeah. it's yours Definitely. and you were born and that's unique only to you for sure and so i think shifting the focus on why poor me i'm not i'll never be this girl or this boy but like Wow, that's amazing that there's these people exist, but I am something else. Yeah, and, and my something else is enough. Exactly. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Because and, before you and can more adult, than enough. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But because before you can adult, you have to come of age. You do. You go through all of that. But I think for because sure. we have come of age and because we've experienced this and because we are minorities, we have experienced it probably way more traumatic and intense yeah. than a normal person, a normal white person watching these movies. I can only say that you know, that the, what you are is enough. Yeah. In the end. And if you are listening and you are coming of age, we want to hear about it. We want you to reach out to us on Instagram, Black and Yellow Podcast. How are you coming of age? Like how, you know, how did this episode help you or not help you? I don't know. Yeah. We, Jack and I want to know. We've come of age, but we want to know if right. you are Generation Z are listening how this new crop of coming of age films has helped you mm-hmm. in your journey to, uh, I guess, into young adulthood. And also, if you have come of age and, you know, you're in your 30s or 40s or late 20s like us, then then i love to hear your thoughts on how it affected you and and maybe maybe you weren't as affected as 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 us and maybe you were and you know thoughts and on that would also be awesome definitely we got reached out to by a really awesome listener oh, yeah l grace 20 shout out to you uh she left us a really amazing dm on instagram that touched both jack and i so Dearly. so much Letting you guys know, we are listening. We do care about how you guys are receiving the show. So reach out to us at Black and Yellow Podcast. I'm Alana Webster at Renegade of Fun. I'm Jacqueline Chung Young on the gram. And um, this episode was produced by Christian Hughes. Site Heist. Hello, Christian. Hey, Chris. <laughs> we'll be back next week, hopefully with some lighter fare. No or promises. Ho- exactly. <laughs> Fingers crossed, but no promises made. We'll talk to you next week, guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.